Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another virtual episode of Deadline's new Hollywood podcast. My name is At Home Edition. At Home (laughs) Q-Teen. At Home. Um, Oh, did you say your name already? Yes. Sorry. Okay. I'm Amanda Nduka. And um, so today we have as our guest, the star of the new Netflix series that is from Damien Chazelle. Uh, Andre Holland. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Andre. Okay, I will say this about Andre. Like, after we got off off our, our, our Zoom call with him. His voice, for real, I'm like, yeah. it's so soothing. It, it calmed yeah. me. And yeah. He seems so even-tempered and, 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 and lovely just to be around. He had a bunch of books behind him. I called right. it out. Right, right. <laughs> the ice cream man came in the middle of it. <laughs> um, but, but so the Eddie, we should be, <laughs> the Eddie's about, <laughs> so the Eddie's, it's, it's really interesting. So it's set in Paris and it's about, uh, Andre's character's name is Elliot. And it's about basically, I mean, it's sort of in this backdrop of jazz, the jazz music world, but it's really about his relationship with his daughter. His daughter. And his life, just his own life. Yeah. 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 Uh, And of course, you guys know Andre. He's been on so many things now. It's, uh, I mean, I got first introduced to him through Moonlight, but then he was also on The Nick. He Mm -hmm. was in Selma. He was in, what else, 42. And American Horror um, Story. American Horror Story. He's been in a bunch of things. And, oh, uh, Castle Rock. Uh, right, so right, yeah. He, 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 he's been in a bunch, but his latest, The Eddie, is, is I think, a very interesting, different, I don't think it's, like, different, but it's a very interesting story for him to dive in, and he goes into right. it in the episode. Right, yeah. and it's very, like, high, I guess, high concept, and it's, like, it's a mixture between English, and, and he had to learn how to speak French, and yeah. he had to learn how to play instruments. Um, but it's a really good show. If you haven't checked it out, it, it's currently on Netflix. Um, yeah, and it also stars friend of the podcast, Amanda. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <Simberg>. yeah. <laughs> so, so she's yeah. in it, too. So without further ado, here is Andre. Andre, thank you so much for joining us today. Of course, I'm happy to be here. Thank you all for inviting me. Welcome to the new Hollywood podcast. Yes. So before we begin, what what if I just have to ask you, are, what, how, how have you been doing during this time? Yeah. Oh, thanks for asking. Uh, I mean, I've been, I've been doing okay. I'm so fortunate, you know, in that um, my family is okay for the most part. And, um, you know, I worked recently so I'm I'm okay at the moment I'm I'm yeah I'm in a in a better situation than a lot of people so I'm I'm grateful for that and yeah trying to be helpful when and when and how I can to other people how, how are you, you go ahead okay I was gonna ask, have you read all those books behind you yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, I've read a lot of them most of them I, I got a few up there that uh, that I haven't gotten to yet but oh nice yeah. Those are yeah, they're my favorite. It's a nice setup. I, I I do love it when there's books in the back. You know, it like these Zoom calls now. You know, you learn a lot about people through their backgrounds. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting. I like your photos you got back there too. Oh, see? gallery wall. See? Yeah, my gallery and and my and my guitar that hasn't been played oh, for yeah. five. It hasn't been played for five years because it's yes. missing a string. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's it's a good de- decoration piece though. 
Oh, my, yeah, yeah my yeah, guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, Andre, have you been using this time? Like, how are you? Been, how have you been using this time? Like, are you somebody who's sort of just relaxing and reflecting? Are you are you working and to the extent that you can work? Are you TikToking? Like, what kind of thing? <laughs> cooking, <laughs> banana cooking. bread, uh, <laughs> hobbies, no. challenges. Like, what, yeah. what you know, it's funny. I've been learning. I've been. I've been making really good use of the time. I've been doing a lot of reading, which is mm. is important to me, as you can see. Uh, so I've gotten a chance to read a bunch of stuff that I've been wanting to for a while. I've been doing some gardening, which mm, nice. yeah, yeah, I have a little terrace here, and um, I inherited a garden, but I didn't really know much about it. So I've been learning a bit about that. Um, also, I'm you know I'm producing some stuff now as well, so I've been okay. using the time to to get some some things of sort of move forward in that regard too. So it's been cool. Yeah, pandemic giveth, I guess. Yeah, what, what are you growing? What are you growing on your terrace? Oh man, so I have here. You can see. Oh, 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 exclusive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you can. Oh, maybe, that's that's a wow. oh, that's a nice. I don't know if you can <gasps> see, but so we have like there's some irises there. There's some. Wow, uh, a that's a nice there. setup. It's cool. There's like. Um, I planted some collard greens the other day. Oh, cool. I was gonna ask you if you're planting any vegetables. Oh yeah, yeah. collards, kale, uh, yeah, all kind of stuff growing up there. That's Pepper. a nice like little terrace you have there. Yeah, it's you know. cool. It's cool, especially at this time. You know, it's it's nice to have some outdoor space without mm -hmm. having to go to the parks or, or be out in the street. So it's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Andre, we've seen you in many things. Many, many, many things from like to the Nick to American Horror Story, but where did this all begin for you in terms of your entertain, like what, what sparked your interest in being an entertainer? You know, I think, I think about this a lot. I've been thinking about it a lot lately mm -hmm. too. Um, I think for me, you know, I grew up in, in Alabama and my grandfather was a, a preacher, a Pentecostal preacher. And so I think that like storytelling, the performance mm -hmm. that, you know, that the church can provide was really inspiring to me. I also grew up in a place where we didn't really have access to, you know, the film and we didn't have like a VCR to watch movies and the TV only had two or three channels. So most of the time we had, my sisters and I, uh, as kids was spent like sitting on people's front porches listening to them tell stories. And so mm -hmm. I think for me, it's always been more about storytelling than about like being a, an entertainer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the career kind of came as a byproduct of my right. curiosity and interest in stories. Mm -hmm. And when you first started out, what kind of roles were you getting offered or having to go out for auditions for? At the beginning, I was going up for any and everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I yeah, everything from the hood characters, the thugs, the drug dealers, <laughs> like I did, you know, all of that stuff. Uh, I mean, I was pretty resistant to that fairly early on, but mm -hmm. at the very beginning, you sort of go for everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, did a lot of comedies, which mm -hmm. surprises people sometimes because so much of what I've been doing lately has been more drama. Yeah, but he got some heavy yeah. stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, a little bit of everything. And then theater, you know, for me, theater played a big part and still does. So, mm -hmm. you know, I would, if I did a TV thing, I would always, you know, come back and do two plays. Usually, it was it was mostly theater. Mm -hmm. Was there a point in your career early on where you felt like you could really sort of take control over the kind of roles that you played? a good question i think um it wasn't until the nick came along that i felt like that i started to feel i had that agency um not even that agency that responsibility i should say um that move that show and then this movie 42 which i did 
um, yeah. kind of around the same time. Mm -hmm. um, in 42, I remember in researching the part that I was playing, which is Wendell Smith, this black, legendary black sports writer, mm -hmm. journalist. Um, I uncovered so much about his life. And what, you know, the movie is about Jackie Robinson. There's only so much time in the movie. And we didn't really get to explore Wendell's story, but I felt this responsibility to somehow find a way to convey in the small moments that I did have, just how important he was, you know? And I think feeling that sense of responsibility stuck with me. So the same, you know, was true with the Nick. And, and now when I choose things, yeah, it's always about like, what are these, what does this project say about me, about the community that I'm from? Um, yeah, is it like additive in terms of like the the movement, <laughs> uh, or is it reductive? And and the stuff that's not um, well made, I try to stay away from. Mm. And yeah. like, what really attracts you to project? What is what what does a project sort of have to have in order for you to want to be a part of it? Well, can y'all hear that ice cream truck? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let me let me close this window. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I was. I thought you were gonna say, "Hold on, let me be right back," and you were gonna nah. get some ice cream. <laughs> nah, Mr. Softy is coming through. Yeah. Uh, You're like, oh, Mr. Softy's coming. I'll be right back, guys." <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to. You know, no, no, no. That's fine. Everybody, go ahead. Um, what attracts me usually, um, usually, if a part has something to teach me, like mm -hmm. I mean, every part does, but I'm usually attracted to those things that I feel like I don't know that much about. You know what I'm saying? So like with the Nick, I had never thought about black doctors at the mm. turn of the, at the turn of the century, you mm. know? So that was interesting to me. Mm. Similarly with 42, you know, I knew a bit about Jackie Robinson as we all do to a yeah. degree, but yeah. I didn't know anything about really about the Negro leagues right. and about yeah. what Jackie Robinson integrated major league baseball meant for this really important black business at the time. So. That usually attracts me first, and then like the writing, you know, when the writing is good, you know, the, the ride is usually fun, but when it's bad, everybody mm -hmm. suffers. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, now you're, you know, you're in the show, uh, the series, The Eddie, um, and it is so, it feels so French. Like, it feels yeah. like you're like immersed. It, it is like, you're no joke. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and, you know, you, you mentioned like writing attracts you, but this, it, it does seem very different from, you know, things that you have done in the past, but, you know, um, was there something about the Eddie, the, even just your character or the story that spoke to you that, you know, you were just like, oh, this is something like, I really kind of want to, I really want to do. Yeah, for sure. It scared, it scared the bejesus out of me. <laughs> yeah. it, was because it was like, you know, this really, you know, difficult, dude you know who and i couldn't understand what he was trying to do what his thing was there were some days where i felt like is this just like a not a stereotype but like a caricature like an idea of of what a person like this may be or is this really a human being and it took me a while to get to the point but when i realized that what he really was wrestling with is grief yeah um for me that really spoke to me at the time and this probably happens a lot i think at the time the, the, the this opportunity came along um, I was dealing with some stuff in my own life around grief. And so it, 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 uh, again, it gave me an opportunity, I think, to learn more about myself. Um, one of the books, one of the books on the shelf back here is, uh, this book, this dope book called On Grief and Grieving, mm. uh, which I carried around with me a lot while we were shooting. And it, it really, in working on the part, it helped me to kind of work through my own, my own stuff. So it was, it was dope. Mm. 
Yeah, you know, and like I said, it it just not only feels French, like it feels like jazz music. The whole mm -hmm. thing feels like a jazz composition. Like it feels mm -hmm. like it. But before you signed on, were you a huge jazz fan? Were you familiar with that world? And also, you know, you, since you are in Paris in the in the show, did you speak French? And you know, how did you just dive into this? It it almost feels like a hyper realistic world. Mm, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really know that much about jazz music. I have some friends who play. Um, mm -hmm. A friend of mine, John Baptiste, is a dope, dope musician. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, he and I have been friends for a long time, and I would go see him play, hear him play rather than. Uh, we worked on a project together many years ago so i always like was a fan um a fan but i didn't really know much about uh, the process of like making jazz i didn't play music myself uh, so it was a real opportunity for me to learn um, i grew up around music so a lot of soul music you see marvin back here yeah i, I was pointing that out what, what's up right next to it it's oh it's a, so it's a it's uh I'm in a strange town. It's just, <laughs> I, I love like, I told you, like gospel is a big, I like gospel music uh -huh. as well and like old sermons. And so mm -hmm. that is a collection from this, uh, this old preacher who had this, he went to these, he would go to these revival meetings with these two big like paper mache wings attached mm -hmm. to his back. And uh, he called himself, I think he comes up the, the, the two wing preacher or something like that. But it's a recording of some of his old sermons. Oh, but, wow. Okay. Yeah, but talking about performance and just, you know, being able to captivate a crowd, it's really, mm. it's really powerful. So yeah, kind of a random. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. You, you, you said you never played instruments before either. So mm -hmm. did like you, you're convincing in the Eddie. <laughs> it's like, I'm okay. like, oh, I'm sold. <laughs> um, but did you actually have to learn? Like yeah. what was just the whole process in just getting ready for this role? Because like you said, it, it, it scared you and it yeah. seemed very demanding <laughs> because of the nuance of the character and of the story itself. Yeah, it was tough. It really asked a lot. You know, the, the music we started, I started like from the day I said yes to the part. I had uh, two different piano teachers here in New York that I was working with. And then when I got to Paris, I had another amazing like piano, piano teacher slash singing teacher named Danny Weirich, who's the dude is just super dope. Um, so he and I worked together a lot. Basically, anytime we weren't shooting on set, I was either playing, you know, practicing the piano or having French rehearsal, French lessons or whatever. So um, it was a pretty full on, full on immersive experience. And with the French, I had I studied in school and um, J'habitais dans Paris pour cinq mois, mais okay, then. comme un vache espagnol. I studied there. I, uh, sorry, I'm just being silly. I'm just going to act don't like put I that in. I'm being silly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm being silly. I, just, I studied for a little while. I lived there for a little while, a long time ago, but my French is not It's not so good. It's, mm. I, I understand. Well, yeah, it, it, sound, like you just, it just sounded like you, you lived there for years. So you could have just said, you know, I'm eating a sandwich and I'll be like, oh, yeah. that sounds fine. I mean, right. I've, been to Paris, I've been to Paris once. And, and and it was it was, it was I really want to go back. It, it, yeah. But yeah, just just the whole thing just looked beautiful and how it was shot. Um. Oh yeah. Yeah. It made me feel it's like cool. I was there again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same for me, man. Like I, I, and I was just being silly by speaking French. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I just, no, I've had we too have much to coffee now. today, so I'm just like being busy. I'm still having um, my first coffee. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you know, I've been to France a bunch, uh, several times before, but that part of France that we were filming in, I, I had I had never experienced before, you know, like 
I seen the Eiffel Tower and the Louvre and all the stuff that people tend to see, which is gorgeous and beautiful, but like getting to see these other parts where like there's so much diversity, you know, there's so much creativity happening. What part um, did you guys film in? So we filmed we filmed a lot in like um uh like Belleville, okay. which is a part of the eleventh arrondissement. Oh, it's like, uh, um, like the triplets of Belleville. That that there was an animated uh, uh Oh I never right? saw that. I never I remember <laughs> hearing about that, but I never yeah, I never yeah. saw it. Yeah. But I imagine it probably is set in this in the same district if it has that name. But it's a really yeah. cool, cool area. It feels a lot like Brooklyn. You know, a lot of artists are there. And, mm. and um, it's just a working class neighborhood, but it was it was really beautiful. What would you say the show that Eddie sort of brings to the conversation about cult, the culture of jazz? And how do you think it plays into the story of Elliot? Well, one thing that was um one thing that was really important to me and to Amandala um, and to Damien, to be fair, is that um, culture, Black people's contribution to music, to jazz music, that that be recognized and honored. Um, and even though the story is, is said in contemporary Paris, and it's not about, you know, um, the black musicians who came to Paris to play, you know, many years before. Still, I felt it was important to honor that. So, um, that's another thing about the story that I enjoyed is is how Elliot and uh, Julie's relationship, how it develops over time, and it becomes about culture and identity and her need to find her identity. And in some way, I think Elliot, what Elliot is in search of, is uh, is for a way to reconnect to his own culture. You know, he, he, as I imagine him, is a guy who has had a big successful career. He's played Carnegie Hall and all the different places and, you know, and maybe has spent too much time playing the music that people expect him to play and not spend enough time playing his own music, the music that comes from his soul. Um, and so for me, it was about like reconnecting to that while Julia is, is also trying to connect her own identity. And I think through that, what they discover is that yeah, this shared culture that they have, um, this shared music that they have, it is like the first place that they can and need to connect. Yeah. How would you say, do you, would you say that music also could kind of influence or had an influence in your career? I mean, in a way, you know, I, um, I, I as I say, I love music. Um, I find it very useful when I'm, you know, working. Like I did, a play a couple of years ago and was having a really, really difficult time with it. And um, yeah, created some some playlists and things that that really, really helped me get through the performances. You know what I mean? Like it it's it can be so moving and can like touch a chord that nothing else can can seem to to pluck. So um, it's been super helpful to me in terms of like my development as an actor. It, it, no, it, it is very interesting that you know you mentioned identity and I think it's very interesting that this is this the the series is set in Par uh, in in France, uh, Paris, and you know you guys, and then the, the the father and the daughter reconnecting through jazz, but at the same time they have like it, it, it's very nuanced. I was what I'm saying, very complicated, and I'm not that smart of a guy, so I'm like, oh, this is just too confusing for me. Uh, but, <laughs> no, but um, you know, you know, um, uh being in the industry and you know being in so many different kinds of roles 
what have you learned about your yourself your cultural identity and how have you used that to kind of sculpt your craft and you know leave the mark that you want to leave mm-hmm. yeah we asked the really tough good question well i mean i think that is still very much a work in progress in terms of figuring out how um like what impact i want to have um over time um, and maybe, I don't know that, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's a thing that just evolves on its own, right? It just becomes a, a result of a number of decisions made over time. Uh, but what I can say is at this moment, what's become clear to me, um, given the work that I've done and experiences that I've had is that presenting stories about my culture in a way, in ways that are positive, um, not, and that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't always mean um, nice and pretty, right? Mm. But in ways yeah, that yeah. are three-dimensional uh, and that are respectful of where we actually have come from and what we've actually been through uh, is of the utmost importance to me. Um, also finding ways to help amplify uh, voices of other people like me who have come from you know marginalized communities who maybe haven't found their way into this business is really important to me. I had a call not long ago with a producer um, who, as we were talking about trying to cast this project, said to me, uh, he questioned um, this actress's uh, value, right? This term that gets thrown around in our mm-hmm. business about like about how, what value does an actor have to a project? And I understand that it's a, it's a finance and math problem, right? Like trying to put together a movie, but, um, what I understand is that um, for people particularly, I mean, I would argue, especially I think about black women, you know, who were yeah. trying to find a way in this business, uh, it's difficult, damn near impossible, you know, to put yourself into a position where you end up on one of these lists, right? That people use to pick oh. and put their projects together. Mm. So um, I think that we have to redefine what that word value means and we got to define it on our own terms, you know, and we, we can't wait on other people to find value in us. We got to find it in ourselves and in each other. And so I see an enormous amount of value in the people who I meet here in New York, the actresses, the writers, the directors, who, you know, aren't the the, the famous ones, but who have good ideas, you know what I mean? And sometimes I think this business would lead you to believe that only a few people hold a monopoly on good ideas. Mm. But in fact, they can come from anywhere. And I think, you know, it's my responsibility to continue to send the ladder down and keep mm. doors open and invite more people to the table. Yeah, that yeah, right because we we just had we had a couple of people from Hollywood on. I don't know if you've seen that Netflix um, the Netflix yeah. series. That I haven't. I haven't. Yeah. But I've seen like yeah the yeah. It and it flips the whole like you know Hollywood sort of ideology narrative on its side, and it's like what if you know people of color. LGBTQ people, women, were given the opportunity, the same opportunities as our white male counterparts. And just to think that, you know, this this was in what, 1940-something? That's Yeah, like the golden age of Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That we're still having this sort of conversation and then there's still, there's still, there's still such a barrier for people of color, women, LGBTQ. I mean, obviously it's getting better, but it's sort of daunting but, that we're still having this conversation. Yeah. On the and it, 
it, it's so weird. I, I saw an article the other day and it was like all, is this pandemic halting diversity in Hollywood? And I'm just like, I don't understand why it would and why that would be part of the conversation. Um, and, you know, especially, you know, now, you know, with the Black community and Latinx community getting really impacted by COVID, like two of the, these two communities are getting slammed by it because of the access they don't have. And also the Asian American community getting, you know, just harassed all the time. It does make me think about, you know, what is this going to be on the other side for us? You know, and like, it makes me scared. It makes me anxious, but there's like some hope in it. Like I see a lot of like communities like coming together. And I think what uh, Andre was saying about kind of reach a kind of, I I think Lena said the same thing, letting that ladder down and Wilson Cruz, who, who I I love when Wilson was on our, our, our podcast, he said, you know, um, you know, rise up and reach back, you know? Mm, um, yeah. And, uh, I, I, like there was recently a, um, a, a panel with, um, Franklin Leonard and I forgot who else was on there. Like, um, Oh, John M. Chu called black and gold and about, about how like communities, marginalized communities need to, there has to be this kind of synergy between all of us in order to kind of move us forward. And, um, especially with like being Asian is, it, it is, just seeing what's happening to our community right now and during this panel they were just like it, it basically there was like you know they were saying to a lot of the asian community like welcome to our world like the black community was saying to the asian community welcome to our world world this is how we've been treated all along and you know the asian community has constantly been seen as the model minority but now with this covid thing where a lot of us are well not me but you know there's not a day that goes by when i go through twitter or my Facebook feed where someone's being harassed because of this pandemic, because they think we started it or we think yeah. Chinese people started it. So that's my rant. No, but no, I mean, yeah, I think I, 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 you know, seeing Andre, your, your body of work, it's, it's so diverse in, in, in this weird way. You know, I, you know, first got introduced to you through Moonlight, which, I remember watching that at TIFF and just that wrecked me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then just to see your trajectory and then like seeing you on like Castle Rock and, and, and all this genre driven stuff. And now Eddie, it's kind of just amazing to see, see you grow. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I want to ask when you do these yeah. films, do you, or when you do these projects, do you, do you sort of keep the audience in mind in terms of what you would like them to take away from all these different characters you play and all these projects that you're a part of? Yeah, for sure. For sure. What, what would you say that would be for the Eddie? Well, I, it was important to me that people understood that he's a man who's dealing with grief. Um, and that he's not just a bad father, an absent father, or, you know, an angry man. Like, that there's a reason why he's behaving in this way. Um, Especially as a Black man inhabiting that part, I felt an added responsibility to make completely sure that we understood why his behavior was as it was. Um, Also, as we talked about before, the cultural part of it, you know, it was important to me that we not just you know, put some black people in the show and not really acknowledge like <laughs> the culture, you know what I mean? Um, so that was something that, that became really important to, to us all. 
Um, and it depends, you know, every time it's, it's a different thing. Like, and it also depends on the moment that we're in, right? Like, um, yeah, with Moonlight, I remember feeling like, you know, when we first read the script, you know, there's not a lot there to go on in terms of like the last scenes, the last third of the film. There's a lot of silence, a lot of like, you know, unspoken things. And so I felt like, well, it's really important for me to understand what it is that I want the audience to feel, or that what I want to communicate, you know, and um, for me, it was about like making space. How can one person just make space for another? Like, what does that look like? You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, that's, that's what, it, that's what it was. Yeah, that's kind of deep. So what, so what's next for you? Like, I, I know you're doing, cause I wrote the story, <laughs> <laughs> the passing movie, and I, this is one of my favorite books. Mm -hmm. Did you guys finish shooting that before everything shut down? Yeah, we finished okay. shooting in, uh, a couple of months before, actually. I think, okay. I don't remember the day, maybe December or January, but we, yeah, we finished. Okay, okay. But do, is there, do you know when, is, when that's going to come out? Or is there, I mean, obviously everything, a lot of things are delayed because of yeah. um, Do you have any idea of when that's going to be released? or? I, I don't. I don't actually. Okay. I spoke with I well, emailed uh, not long ago with the director, and she was saying that it's looking really good, and you know, okay. people are excited yeah. about it. But we don't. I don't know anything in terms of. Uh, okay. Well, I'm yeah, really I think, looking forward to that one. Yeah, <laughs> and then that, that even just that discussion. Passing, yeah, that's, you know, that's going to be that's, that's that that's definitely a discussion that the black community has has been going back and forth about for years when it comes to like colorism and who you mm. know who gets mm. who's more at an advantage in society so i think honestly i've, I've i'm kind of surprised we don't talk about it more i think i think in general i don't think a lot of hollywood talks about passing or colorism in general yeah, i mean cuz they don't see it as a problem you know mm -hmm. you know and it's it's a blind spot and i'm glad that passing is coming on i think nina yang bonjovi is is yeah. producing right it's yes she is right just real yeah. like super real super smart just she's dope i can't say enough about it yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't. I can't wait for that though. But yeah. What else? What else can you tell us about? Yeah. What? What can you? Well, what can we break? What can we break? <laughs> well, you know, there's not. There's not a lot to break right now. You know, I. I look, I'm. I'm really slow when it comes to choosing to do things. I take mm. a lot of time, and you know, there's nothing that I'm attached to doing right now. There's some things that I'm. I'm building that I'm producing that I'm excited about, um, but they're in various stages of development. Uh, so yeah, at the moment, I'm just trying to like stay safe and, and uh, take care of my, my folks as best I can and my friends and the community. And, and I trust that when this is all over, you know, hopefully there'll be something interesting for me to be, be involved in. Are you, are you doing a sequel to, the, to High Flying Bird? Well, that's one of the things that I've been okay. working on. Yeah, okay. we, um, when, we, when we started talking about it, you know, years ago, um, I think we always felt that it was like a, a, a bigger idea. Um, and then, yeah, when we finished the first film, I think we all sort of felt like, man, there's more, there's more to explore here. Yeah, so, so we, we, we're working through that. So Andre, like I was saying, we like to end the interview. Um, it's sort of in a smart, like random questions. We call it the facts or the FAQs. So the first question is, what was your first concert? Ooh, uh, <laughs> wow. 
it was a long time before I went to a concert, but I yeah. think it was, I think it was Earth, Wind, and Fire. Ooh, that's a good one. That would be, that that, would be yeah. Wait, Amanda, what was yours? Do you remember Backstreet yours? Backstreet Boys. I think oh. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Backstreet Boys. So. <laughs> my, my, mine was... <laughs> Mine was Color Me Bad at SeaWorld. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, so that, okay, I shouldn't have admitted that. Anyways. Maybe not. Maybe not. Um, um, so, Andre, uh, what, what, what is the one thing that your friends and family would say that you have an unhealthy, geek-worthy obsession with? An unhealthy, geek-worthy obsession. Wow, I guess it depends on which friends. Uh, well, I'm obsessed with vintage cars. Okay. I have a friend who would say, who says sometimes like, why are you fooling with those old beat up rusty looking things? You know, <laughs> stop wasting your time and money on those. Um, other friends used to say that I had an unhealthy obsession with musicals because I was a big fan of musicals. Oh, you know, well, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing I think so too. Yeah. yeah. Are you, Let me are live. You, are you more Broadway in the future? So, Oh yeah, I really, I mean, I want to, I was supposed to be doing Shakespeare in the Park this summer. In oh, fact, nice. today, today was going to be our opening night. If we had been oh. able to, to do it. So, um, yeah. So hopefully what, what, we'll get what, what was it? What was going to, I was going to do, I was going to play Richard the second. Oh, those complicated yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> tough ones. Yeah. Anything, <laughs> anything, anytime there's a Shakespeare play where there's just one name, like Richard or Henry, I, I'm like on mm -hmm. those, I, I stay away from those. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. bad at remembering Shakespeare's uh, stuff, so I don't, <laughs> I didn't yeah. love my class. Okay, would you rather be super sensitive to taste or super sensitive to hearing? Mm, probably super sensitive <laughs> to hearing. So I could go around ear hustling and hear what people are saying. <laughs> Listen to right? people's conversations. Like, yeah. <laughs> that is good. That is I good. think I'm I think I'm like nosy by nature, so I definitely would choose like a hearing. Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. <laughs> Okay. Well, I think super sensitive taste would be good if you wanted to be like a chef or a cook. Yeah, or, or like a, a or some, yeah, that's true. Like a sommelier or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. That'd super sensitive cool. i think you could benefit more from because you could hear people's business yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. oh, okay well like you kind of well uh i see that you have physical media in the back like albums but what was the last physical album cd or cassette you can't remember <laughs> buying Woo! <laughs> wow uh well the last album probably was this one this uh blues oh that one album. Oh, yeah wow. i bought it i bought it in uh in paris uh, oh, months nice. ago before this started, yeah, I found it at this like old, um, like a coffee shop slash record store. Um, oh, I'm yeah. so glad uh, those still exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember buying a cassette? <laughs> wow. Um, man, I think the last cassette would have been in like high school. Yeah. Um, was it like? Oh. Was it like a cassingle, like one of those? <laughs> <laughs> nah, I mean you know. They were like was? a dollar at Walmart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah. Old, nobody wants. Um, <laughs> it was uh, Rent. The oh, music. good. Yeah. On cassette. On cassette. On cassette. Yeah, I played it. Good. I used to play it all good. the time. Yeah. Did you guys? Did you guys used to? I mean, this is what I did. I don't know if everybody did, but did you guys used to record radio stations on cassette. Yes, from, of like, course. Oh, yeah. And then you would get really mad when the DJ would come in at yes. the, end of the song and interrupt it. 
And he or you would like it. get like, the first half of the song, but it's like, dang, I didn't press play on the, or record on time. <laughs> I remember I did used to call in into a show in San Antonio when I lived there. They would like at nine o'clock it would always oh, be all yes. okay guys, there'd be all call in for your beeper calls and then you would give a shout out to your friends. <laughs> so yeah. I would always call in and record myself. Oh god, I'm just embarrassing <laughs> myself this whole thing. <laughs> That's okay. If you were given a budget to make and start in a movie based on an an icon's life based on a book or an existing story, what would it be? Unlimited so this is who you like to play. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh, so many people. Um, I would probably say, can I say a couple? I gotta say one. Yeah, yeah, one. yeah. Well, okay. Marvin Gaye, <laughs> I think. Mm, oh, okay. Ooh, I could uh, this that. is just like wish list, right? Like yeah, I'm not yeah, trying to lie to you, so say that I'm right for it. But yeah, <laughs> but like Marvin would be dope. Prince would be dope. Uh, I want a Prince <laughs> Prince life. See, <laughs> I see that. I see that. <laughs> right Prince would be dope. Um, Frederick Douglass, I think, would be a really mm. dope character to mm. explore. There's so many, so many of our stories that haven't been told. Um, there's a book called All God's Dangerous, which I really love. It's an it's mm -hmm. autobiography of this uh, sharecropper who lived in Alabama named uh, Ned Cobb, and, or Nate Shaw is, is, is the name of the book. I would mm -hmm. I'd love a chance to play him. There's so many, so many people. Yeah, oh, I love nice. the Martin Gay idea. Not, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just do a whole anthology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then our last question is, you kind of touched on this already earlier in our conversation, but is there an underrepresented voice in the industry, whether it's an actor, writer, producer, storyteller, that you think deserves more shine and they're not in the mainstream that you kind of just want to give a shout out to? And again, you can list multiple people. Um, that's a tough one, but there's, there's a, a lot of people, I would say, um, there's an actor who's a friend of mine named John Michael Hill, okay. who, uh, you know, he's, people know who he is and he's, he's definitely like well-respected, but I think he's just brilliant, like a really, really brilliant, brilliant actor. So um, I'd say him, um, who else? There, there's a Dominique, lot. Dominique Mariso is a writer who, uh, she wrote the Temptations musical that was on Broadway. Oh, nice. She's yeah, written some for television and and all. I mean, she's written some some of the most beautiful, exquisite plays. Mm. So I would love to see her, you know, get more opportunities to write things in, in film and TV. She wrote the she wrote the Ain't Too Proud. Yep. Oh wow, we just had oh. Jeremy on. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, no, Jeremy, 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 Jeremy Pope. Pope. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's so. He's so, so talented. Yeah, like next level. God, next level. he's yeah. so talented that it's sickening. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Andre, thank you so much for joining yes. us. Thank you for being here with us. Um, the Eddie is currently on Netflix. Mm -hmm. so... On Netflix, so get into it. Get into it. <laughs> yeah. again, and Pat? Thank y'all so much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Y'all stay you. safe. You too. You too, you too. Thank you. Bye.